0: you're listening to the Dark Depths Podcast. We would love if you could take a minute out of your day to follow the Dark Depths Podcast on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to our show. If you feel up to it, you can also give us a donation on PayPal or support us on Patreon. Don't feel like you have to, though. Our show is always going to be free. That's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. for people at home we are live which is super exciting oh there we are better so um doing this a little different than we normally do (laughs) um firstly uh i guess i should probably start with the normal intro uh uh welcome to the dark death podcast your go-to place for the modern and legacy formats i'm one of your hosts billy mitchell and i am alone today uh Normally, I am here with the Hound of conda himself, Michael Mapson. But uh, Michael has a pet that is in need of help. um, Has had to go to the vet kind of last minute, and you know, between my schedule and his schedule, it's hard to get a date already. So we kind of just decided that we were going to try to find something else. And it was hard for me to find something last minute. So um, instead, I'm just going to talk to myself, kind of live, and hopefully we get some people. Coming in, listening in the chat, and trying to uh, contribute and asking questions and things like that. So, if you are interested in chatting, obviously, just jump in, say something. I would love to people to hear from you new know, people. So, once again, normally this is not something that we do. So this is going to be a little bit different. So we are just going to go through the normal show as much as possible and. You know, if we get some listener questions, we will definitely do that. I am going to take a second to make sure that we reach out to people on the YouTube and on the Twitter. Um, if you haven't done this already, and you probably have heard this a billion times, especially if you're an avid listener of the show, but we do have the Dark Death podcast on Twitter. Um, if you're interested in supporting us in really any way possible, um, you can find all of our links there, so you can support us on. Uh, YouTube, obviously, uh, where this is going to go up. Uh, not, We don't normally do this, but I thought it would be fun, especially since I'm not, I'm not playing music right now. Uh, you can listen to us on um, YouTube. Uh, you can find us basically wherever you listen to podcasts, all that fun stuff. So we're going to send a, send a little message out on Twitter. Uh, send, uh, I'm lonely and live. Please send help. Great. Alright, so, with that out of the way, do uh, the normal intro that we normally do, uh, what's going on? Uh, honestly, it's been kind of a whirlwind of the week. I just started a new job, which has been a lot, uh, between the one month old, and then she turns one month on Saturday, maybe Sunday. Uh, between that and trying to you know learn a new position it's not that it's a different position I'm still teaching right but as far as teachers go you get into this this rhythm of teaching the same classes year after year Um, I've been teaching basically every math class except for the two that I'm teaching now so it's been a lot of preparation trying to relearn different techniques things like that Um, the age group is good though I mean like I'm working with sophomores and I've I've worked with sophomores more or less um over my six years i think like four of my four of my six maybe it's like three of my six but i like I do always like sophomores. i think and I have a couple of freshmen a couple juniors mixed in too so it's definitely a good group of kids really enjoy the school the the culture is definitely different I'm not in a bad way either it's just um the school I was at was very kind of uptight and uh, you know wore uniforms and you know people were you know why are you out of the hall what are you, what are you doing and this school they're not they're just not in the hallways. They're just kind of... I mean, if they are in the hallways, they're just quietly doing work. Um, they're milling around. Uh, they come in a little bit late, but they don't abuse coming in late. Like, it's actually a... You know, I had... A, I was talking to this guidance counselor. I was with this teacher. I was finishing this quiz and, you know, seems to check out, so... Um, so far, I'm really enjoying the school. I'm really, really happy I made the switch. It's definitely a big, scary thing, switching from job to job, especially in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, I had this fear. Uh, the person I was replacing left on, or decided to retire. Um, he had hit his 35-year mark and was going to retire with a full pension, didn't really want to stick out the rest of the school year. Definitely understand that. Um, I think a lot of the older teachers transitioning into a hybrid classroom, asking them to maximize their usage of technology, it, it was a big ask. I think it's a big ask for anybody, but it's especially been a big ask uh, this year. So it I don't blame anybody for wanting to get out as soon as soon as you can, not this year at least. So, um, anyways, but I was afraid he was last minute could be like, you know what, I don't want to leave, and then I, I look, oh gosh, and I'm like out of a job already, and like that'd be a nightmare. But uh, thankfully, don't have to worry about that at all. So, outside of that, I've actually just been playing a lot of leagues. Uh, I played a lot of modern. Obviously, uh, talking about the Ragavans, I had picked up the playset of Ragavan, even though the band in Legacy. Uh, I've been playing them in Modern and just like having so much fun just playing Griss's Shadow. Like, that is definitely just the deck that <laughs> I could just keep playing. And I have it in paper at this point. Uh, I've got a bunch of cards in. Uh, if, once again, if you are watching this on YouTube, you can see I've got a stack of cards that have come in this week. Um, and if you notice, actually, some of them are not even Pioneer st- or Legacy stuff. I've, some of them are Pioneer stuff. I got some drowning Locks to finish up playing uh, my, my, my Modern deck, but I picked up uh, Hall of the Storm Giants. I've picked up Considers, Mystical Disputes, River Glide Pathways. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Pioneer this week as well. And if you listened back a couple episodes, you would have heard that Dave Inglis was talking about the Pioneer format and decks that really um, kind of... To that, to him, decks that were really cool uh, and very powerful. The two that he kind of brought up were two decks that I was actually considering myself. Uh, one of them was the like Jund Food deck, where right? you get to play Korvald and you get to play like Witch Oven, which super annoying to, to play against in paper, but uh, very powerful deck. Um, playing that with one of my choices. Um, the other one, one of the ones that you a big fan of right now, was the. Actually, and I actually just played against it uh, like a couple of minutes ago, uh, but it was the Jeskai Ascendancy deck, which you end up comboing through uh, with Sylvan Awakening, making a bunch of mana, making a bunch of uh, very large creatures, and then overrunning your opponent. Uh, that deck is insane, uh, but that's like not really my style. Like in EDH, don't get me wrong, that's something I would definitely play in EDH, but in paper, that's it's too many triggers. I miss a lot of stuff. Like I dredge is kind of my upper limit of triggers. Um, in my personal opinion, so um, I decided to play Phoenix instead, actually. And you really do get to play a kind of a blue-red tempo control game with like a combo finish. Um, and one of the cards that really kind of makes that even more comboy is the fact you get to play Galvanic Iteration. Uh, which if you haven't seen Galvanic Iteration, I'm actually gonna pull it up. This is actually really exciting too because normally we don't do I don't do episodes like this. So I actually get to just like pull up whatever uh, whatever card I'm talking about and you can just see it in real life if you're um, watching this on YouTube later or if you're watching this live. As we do some people in the chat. So once again, hello, hello, if you're uh, here. Um, but Govang Generation is this really neat two-mana card. Um, it lets you to copy the next instant resource that you, you play. It you know, make a copy. You can choose new targets as flashback as well. So you're able to mill it and make copies. Um, but the number of times I've just gone... Galvanic Iteration and then cast uh, Temporal Tempass for three mana and end up getting some crazy time warp like double time warp I guess the time stretch really and just like killed my opponent in the air over three turns with a couple of phoenixes is like way too high like the deck ended up just being like this really kind of crazy combo deck in a lot of ways and I've just been having a lot of fun with it um, been oh like four one a bunch of leaks. I haven't gotten a five zero yet I like never get five O's it's I, feel like it's absurd like i feel like i should have gotten a five-zero at some point um and like there, it's always like 40 let's just win the last one and then i'm like oh this is a good matchup and i get crushed so um, hopefully I, I break that break that curse relatively soon but we'll see um uh, so playing uh with the phoenix deck in pioneer playing with the of shadow deck in modern it's been i think really enjoyable for me at least All right, well, let's talk about something that's actually relevant. I I think everything's relevant, but uh, I want to talk about Legacy because I think Legacy is in this really interesting position where we haven't seen a lot of, you know, we're we're waiting for the next shoe to drop, like what's new with the format, what is going to change. Ragavan leaving, in my mind, should have created this huge vacuum, but Ragavan was just a very good card, right, in a deck that in a lot of ways didn't really need it. Um, I think Delver always is really powerful because it has threats that have some kind of resiliency to it. And I think when you look at the threats historically that it plays, um, obviously Delver Secrets, right? To one one-mana flyer, right? 3-2 flyer. It's a fast clock. It can win the game pretty effectively. I definitely Deathrite Shaman obviously can um, allow you to win without actually going into combat. I actually had a match that's on camera somewhere um but i played against like a white eldrazi deck and they had worship and i was like man i got you to one i wonder how i can win this game it's like oh, i can just Death Ray shaman you, you get, you're dead we got there um so Death Ray shaman and like even like looking at like the more modern threats obviously um having something like a young pyromancer that allows you to go wide so uh point removal isn't as effective uh, something like Trinity Nemesis that just can't be targeted by your opponent. Um, and even something like the Murktide Regent, which I also picked up a couple copies of. I got my, my showcase versions. Ho ho ho. Um, ends up giving you something that is, you know, very, very good at just closing up the game. So when we are looking at cards that have been really powerful, really effective. Um, in the deck, right? They usually do have some sort of evasion um, or some ability to kind of dodge removal. Um, and I think the two big exceptions to that kind of rule are the you know, two most recent cards that got banned from the deck, right? We had uh, Ragavan and we also had Dreadhorde Arcanist. Arcanist was actually originally at least in a came out in a format where people were playing Forked Bolt. So making it three toughness it was actually really nice, at least for the first couple of weeks. But honestly, that card is such a huge mana advantage um, in terms of actually just card advantage, mana advantage in terms of just recasting ponders and things like that from the graveyard. Like, I don't really care if, I, <laughs> if it's, you know, a fragile threat in any capacity, right? And obviously the meta game you saw adapted to start playing light, um, obviously a play set of lightning bolts, but also started playing things like the chain lightning, right, to make sure that it can get off the board effectively. Uh, with Ragavan, right, doesn't have any sort of evasion, but the big thing it does have is it had dash, right? So you were able to get around things like prismatic ending, but it doesn't get around all, around all the removal that you you care about in the format, right? A source of the plowshare, um, opposing lightning bolts on Holy Heat now. like You have a lot of things you had to go up against. So losing Ragavan, obviously a, a bummer, right? Ragavan's is such a powerful card. If it connects, allows you to really just snowball an advantage um, by building up resources from your opponent, building up a mana advantage, uh, being able to cast something like a force of negation, um, actually hard cast without losing cards. Um, and honestly, the fact that your opponents are always playing blue decks and you can just cast their cards made it a lot easier too. But, you know, it did not really fit into the strategy. So when you take Ragavan out of the deck, there is not really a loss in efficiency, right? Um, the deck had cut two delvers, right, so you get to, by cutting those four, you get to put in some more evasive threats, but also we saw, um, we're actually going to take a look at this now, but we end up seeing that a lot of the decks end up transitioning into something that's a little bit more uh, broad, a little more effective overall. Um, so looking at the challenge, I'll, I'll shout up to uh, Lunil, uh who is a uh, patron of ours. A really big fan he this is like by the way just hot take i don't even think it's even a hot take actually i think Luniel is just like one of the best players in legacy um and i like i said that about jr jr has been on a hot streak as well i think jr is one of the most consistent players um but i think between him um and Neil, they're just like constantly crushing so um just awesome job jason um so this is the deck that I, that actually won and just 80-card taxes, right? We're, we've been seeing Urian being the uh, front man for this deck for a very, very long time. Um, and this is just a very effective deck. Um, I, I still love the Timeless Dragon. Like, that's one of those cards that, like, I'm still shocked sees play, and, like, I have them kind of boxed off somewhere. Um, they're, like, not... It's, it's 40 cents, right? It's not like it's a huge card, but, like, it ends up ha- playing this huge effect, uh, being able to play, uh, plane cycle early, uh, being able to actually just get a... 5 5 dragon for or 4 4 dragon for 4 mana, uh, super huge. And once again, the flying there I think is really relevant, especially in a metagame where DRC is still a, in my mind at least, a premier threat coming out of Delver. Um, also Delver Secrets being a 3 2, like having this creature is, I think, very, very good. So, um, and then I also like the package. I mean, you have um, Shadow Spear, which is a card that comes in and out of the deck, I think. Um, GTA, Batter Skull, Culture Complete. So pretty pretty standard stuff. Uh nothing super super spicy here. But I think having the 4th Spirit of the Labyrinth deck is just like such a good place to be. And I think Death of Dex is really interesting too, because I, I keep seeing people just win events with this deck. Right? Like they're not it's not like it's it's one of those decks that I we see it in challenges occasionally here and there, right, it's a top eight here, top eight there, but, like, whenever we have these showcase challenges or these showcase qualifiers, things like that, I feel like Death and Dex always ends up being a finalist, at least, and I think a lot of times recently it's just been winning, so this is, I think, one of those decks that when we start looking at those larger events and people decide, I'm gonna buckle down, this is the event, I'm gonna play Delver, I'm gonna be serious this time, they just get, like, chewed out by these people, um, like Jason Murray, who, like, knows what they're doing in the matchup, and, is not going to lose to somebody who's just picked up Delver two weeks ago. Um, and I think, especially the way that Magical line is kind of set up, you a lot of people get in these positions where they don't really play the format that much, but they end up having enough QPs that they can play in one of these big events, and then, once again, that's what happens. So, um, definitely great job and very interesting. I, was, I just like the fact that this deck is in the metagame. Like, there was a point where Death and Taxes was like, unplayable, um, and we've definitely ca- gone way back from that, so I'm you know, happy with that overall. Uh, let's jump back though, if I can make it back. There we go. Um, we we're talking about Blue Red Delver before, and I want to look at the two different lists here. So one is by Number Squats, and one is by Max Magister. Interesting names for sure. So. The decks have basically the blue red Delver decks at this point have the same basic core, right? We're seeing uh, Delver Secrets, Dragon Rage, Chandler, Merktide Region, uh, Brainstorms, Lightning Bolt, Ponders, Days, Expressive Iteration, Force of Will. Like those uh, 12, 20, 36 cards, right? They're basically just the same in every deck. And like if we look at this deck, t- same thing. Right, same thing. And I have seen some people playing three Merc Tad Regents instead of four. I, I just think the card is so effective that I would much rather have four in my deck because I want to make sure I can draw it. If you don't need it, you get to pitch it to Force of Will. Right? Like, the the deck does such a good job of finding cards that, like, I understand the inclination to want three, but, like, there's, there's very little downside. You have enough spells in your deck that you can just... Uh, enough spells, lands, things like that, that go into your graveyard. That like fueling it is not going to be an issue. Like I'd rather just have access to as many as possible. And if I don't need it, I'll get rid of it. I can brainstorm one away. Not a big deal. I can uh, tuck it with the Expressive Federation. I can exile it with Expressive Federation. Who cares? Um, but I'd rather have the full the full four there. Um, looking at the lands too. Um, I actually Nemertesquass is closer on board to what I've been doing. Um, I like playing nineteen lands over eighteen. Um, I think one of the things you start seeing when you start adding or placing Ragavan, which is a one-mana card that makes tokens and does all this, you know, fun stuff with your opponent, right, is the fact that it puts you into this false sense where 18 lands is sufficient, right? Because typically you can get to two mana, a Ragavan, it connects once or twice, and that's going to be able to you know connect you from ponder to ponder to brainstorm and you can find that third land and you're not really worried about it well that's not that's not a thing that's happening anymore right like we can't actually depend on that card or at least have that extra buffer um so we can't keep playing 18 lands reliably at least um number squats ended up going up to 19 which i think allows you to play better cards um talking about the flex spots um i was saying before like you have those 36 cards or so and you know added lands it's like five or six cards you can put in. Um, Brazen borrower I think is a really good one. Uh, Green white depth is one of the bigger decks on the rise and we are going to look at um, Osmandus's data that um, he collected. I think it's just really interesting. He did a good, he did a really good job there. Um, but Brazen borrower is a two mana up, uh, two minute cost up front, three minute cost in the back end. like you you need lands for that. Um, it's not free. Um, if you're talking about something like Vapor Snag, for example, which I think is not a card that people have been discussing, but I think is warranted at least. Um, I think Vapor snagging and Opposing Murtide Regent, um uh, being able to Vapor Snag Um, you can actually Vapor stack your own Brazen Power if you want to. Um, but being able to uh Vapor Snag opposing Merit Leges and you know, cards such as Knight of the Reliquary, I think that's really important. I think that actually adds a lot of value. And once again, it is something that's aggressive that allows you to um, punch through um, a lot easier. So that's something that I think people might want to consider. It's not a card that's been being discussed very much. Um, but if you're going to play something like this, um, these three mana threats, um, one of the ones I've been really pushing for is Trunan Nemesis, just because I do think it's so good in the mirror, um, and it's really good in those matchups. Like it uh, clogged up on the ground, um, elves, death and taxes, for example. Um, but you need to start supporting that with 19 lands. The other thing I really like too is the main deck Pyroblast. And that's another card people are like, well, I, I don't really need it anymore, right? Like, how popular is are going to be? Very popular, apparently. <laughs> like, the deck still had two in this top eight. And if we look at this this uh, here, or sorry, four in the top eight? Yeah, or three in the top eight. Uh, second, fifth, seventh. Um, and then ninth, 13th, 15th, like, that's almost half the top eight is just blue, blue Red Delver. So I feel like playing that Pyre Blast is probably a good call. And uh, even if it's not tagging Merc Tide Regent, which I think is currently the best threat in the format, I think it closes out the game the fastest besides Merit Lage, obviously. Uh, Merit Lage does a, probably a better job being in 2020. But um, I think if you're worried about, you know, how effective is this, like, versus Delver obviously is very good, sure, but it's still tagging Uro, um, it's still getting rid of you know, threats, like, um, sorry, opposing um, expressive iterations. it's still tagging uh, an unprepared person who is trying to jam a Thassa's Oracle, like, even, like, tagging an opposing Ponder is, like, not the worst thing in the world. So I think having the main deck Power Blast is just, like, kind of a free roll if you're playing Delver. Uh, Especially if you're playing the version that is playing Young Pyromancer, right? And they, they actually do have one here. Um, because you can just, once again, the nice thing between Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast, if you Pyroblast something, you don't have to counter it. It doesn't have to be blue. Uh, you can target a land. If it's not blue, it doesn't destroy it. Okay. Um, but you still get the trigger with it. So I think that, especially if you're playing Young Pyromancer, it's definitely just a free roll. And that's something you should definitely be consider playing main deck. But I just think there's so many blue decks in this in this, um, looking at it, right. Obviously, Death and Taxes doesn't play blue, but one, two, three, four, five, six. Um Arkins playing Reanimator. Uh, depending on the version, a lot of them aren't playing uh, blue right now. We'll check Arkins list real quick. Yeah, um, Echoing Truth on the board. I don't think you probably keep it in here, right? But um, I think overall, I'm I'm very happy if. Six of the top eight decks are playing blue, you know, as a core color, um, having that in my deck. And once again, going further down the list, it, it doesn't get embarrassing. The big ones you miss on are Death and Taxes, Reanimator, and Lands. So, um, and Elves, of course. I think Elves is another one that I think has been doing uh, very well recently. So I'm I'm very interested in just keeping Pyroblast in my deck. Uh, I know some people are in the chat, so if you want to say anything, if you have any questions. Uh, please let me know and we can definitely answer them. And once again, this is a live recording of the Dark Depths podcast. you go to play for the Modern Legacy format. Um, I'm going to put this um, onto YouTube and it's also going to be on uh, our normal stream so, or our normal uh, podcast, so you can listen to it there. So uh, in addition to those changes in Delver, I mean, everything else is pretty stock. The other the thing I'm still kind of personally debating um, and I think if you're looking at number Squad's versus uh, Max Magister list, um, is the inclusion of Mishra's Bauble. And I, I know people, have the big argument people have had is, like, how difficult is it to turn on my Direct and my Channel without having that artifact? Like, you're playing creatures, you're playing instants and sorceries, you have the artifact, you have the land, right? And without playing the Mishra's Bauble, you really just need to have one of each. Like, how reliably am I going to get a creature in the graveyard? The land, I think, is free. You play enough fetch lands, there shouldn't be an issue. Um, The sorcery can sometimes be difficult. uh, If you're looking at, depending on what your removal suite is, Um, people have been playing Chain Lightning or Unholy Heat, and I think that's another thing that uh, Nemersquats versus Magister were playing. Magister was um, playing two Unholy Heats, and Nemesquats was playing one Chain Lightning, right? So there is a little bit of attention there, um, but if you're not playing Chain Lightning, well, if you are playing Chain Lightning, we'll say, uh, you've got the one Chain Lightning, you've got four Ponders, and you've got four Expressive iterations, they're eventually going to get into the Graveyard, right? But it's not that many targets, it's not that many things, you have 13 creatures, um, so, and, like, it, it's easier to get a Ponder in the Graveyard, of my mind, than it is to get a, uh, Regent, but I don't think that's true, actually, because I think if you have a Murkshide Regent, it's either going to be a 2 mana 6 6 or 7 7 or see me countered. And if it gets countered, then you have a creature in the graveyard. Uh, I think a lot of times where people are thinking about this stuff, it's like, well, I mean, I can't put it in the graveyard. So, well, Dragon Ridge Chandler just lets you surveil things. You can you can just put a Delver Secrets in the graveyard. Like, you can also just assume that your opponent is going to try to kill your Delver Secrets. They're not going to let you just, like, have a Delver Secrets for free. So, I think that people have been kind of overestimating how difficult it is to get surveil. I haven't had any issues hitting hitting uh, delirium while playing Dracarys Chandler without playing baubles. Um, you can definitely play it, right? But I don't think that should be a, a major consideration when you're going through it. Like, I I won't hit delirium otherwise. It's like, no, you you will. Your opponent will will murder your creatures. That's that's the nice thing about magic. I'm very confident my opponent does not want me to have creatures in play attacking them every turn. So, um, that's the one thing I'm, I'm kind of, you know, looking over. But I, I'm not really hot about Mishra's Bobble right now. Um, and the sideboards you're seeing are pretty much, I think, in flux. We're seeing some cards... Um, and the hostilities, meltdowns, I think, have been fairly popular. I love Court of Cunning. That's one of my favorite cards in the format right now. Um, some number of surgical extractions. Um, but I, I think the deck is still in such a great position. Um, and if you're looking at the results of the um, this showcase, like the deck did very, very well. So I think that's something that people should be aware of. Um, the other one I want to make sure we at least see is the Reanimator... Just because Reanimator has been. I mean, Arkan ended up t- being a top eight. Like, Arkan doing well in a challenge is not super shocking, right? A very good player. Uh, the deck ended up doing kind of poorly overall, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But, I mean, the deck is just still so consistent. And you know, if we're looking at. Go back to Delver sideboards real quick. Um, you do see some cards um, the Diggers Cage, the Surgical Extractions, um, plenty of counter magic, obviously. Um, I think a graph taker's cage in two surgicals. It feels like it should be enough, and then you actually play against the games, and you still just get rocked. Um, the one thing, uh, I, I, to be fair, that's not a it's something I heard, and I, I think is just a great idea. Um, playing something like Tome Script might be better, um, but I, I really do like playing something like Cage right now. Uh, I'm just I'm not a huge Tome Script fan, um, and decks I can't recur it, but I do like the idea of playing playing the Cage so. That is something that you might want to consider. Um, we actually, there was a Hogak deck that ended up doing kind of well, too, so uh, maybe that's something that you want to cover both of those matchups. Um, going a little bit off this, I want to talk about um, Ozymandias um, did a breakdown, a data breakdown of the Showcase Challenge, and I wanted to just make sure we looked at this too just because i do think it's it's just interesting um so a lot of players firstly which i think is awesome um the most popular deck was blue ray delver not not shocked i I think people it's going to take a lot of work to get people off that deck and that deck is just really powerful a lot of people have the cards already they're going to keep playing it um but it's almost a a fifth of the the people right it's 19.82 percent uh which is a lot of people um, it also had one of the better win percentages, but not the best win percentage, which I think is also interesting. Um, the other most popular decks here are Just Guy Control, which we have seen v- variations of this. Um, when they say Just Guy Control, it's usually not just straight-up Just Guy Control. Uh, we've seen a lot of the Hull Breacher uh, kind of wheel decks, which, is a, to be fair, is a control deck, right? Um, this is one by Mazinda Linda, I think, and... Um, and you're seeing a lot of those typical wheel patterns here, right? You're seeing Hull Breacher, you're seeing Narset. Uh, I pair that up with and doing, and you're able to get rid of your opponent's hand, either not let them draw any cards, or, well, I guess in both cases, not let them draw any cards, but also get a mana advantage if you're playing that with Hull Breacher. Um, Teferi makes it actually really nice where you can cast Days doing on their turn, so that way they don't draw any, they don't draw any cards at all, um, but also you get a huge mana advantage. Um, if you're lucky, you can actually hit uh, another Day's Undoing off the first Day's Undoing, um, and you can just generate a ton of mana, which is insane. So, uh, very cool card. And once again, this deck is a really good control deck um, in a lot of ways. You're playing Snapcaster Mage here, you're playing uh, a Maydeck Flusterstorm, which I think is really, really cool. Um, but also having the three Prismatic endings, the four, four of the plowshares. Like, this deck lined up on paper looks like it should be very good for us. Uh, versus what you're doing in um, Delver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's re- even even pretty good against something like uh, Green White Depth. In my mind, at least it should be. Uh, just because you are playing a lot of things that um, can bounce the creature uh, pretty effectively. Snapcaster me rebuying sorts of posture I think, is really meaningful. Um, but in my mind, the stack is also very slow. Like, it just doesn't close out games particularly well. Um, Obviously, you getting mind twisted and them having your opponent having seven cards is usually going to lead to you losing, Uh, but depending on the board state, uh, especially with lands, you can put yourself in a position where you are okay. So, this is one of those decks that I think is is pretty solid, but I think it does require a really tight tight play, and we have seen a lot of people pick it up um, who are capable of doing that, but it's not a guaranteed deck. I think... I always feel like Delver has a lot more ability to just win you a game just because of the power level of the deck. And you see that a lot with something like Reanimator, too, where people can just pick up the deck, um, have a huge game, and, you know, win. Uh, I don't think Guy, you know, that Hull Breacher Shell is is one of those kinds of decks. Um, I I mean, decent win percentage. I had 51%, not insane. Uh, Reanimator was the third most popular deck. We talked about that one uh, a little bit ago. 44% win percentage. Not fantastic. Uh, Four color control, which is a little bit more, um, and I, actually has As-Mand, actually played that uh, himself, I'll pull up his list, um, and once again you're still doing some days undoing stuff, but you're not leaning into it as hard, like you, you are playing Narset, so you're playing Hall breachers so you have the one days undoing, um, once again, this is just a, a better control deck, you're actually playing um, Uro as opposed to the Jeskai list. Um, and it actually allows you to develop a game. Uh, I think endurance also is very good in this format, especially versus Delver being a th- uh, three-four blocker. Um, ver- get versus Reanimator being able to actually just like make them pick up their graveyard and go take their ball and go home. I think it's huge. So um, especially actually, and I think this is super cute. At least uh, if you if they go for Exhum, you get to like endurance and um, pay the evoke cost shuffle their graveyard back, your endurance dies, and then they pick it back up for you from the exhum. and, like, that's insane, so that's definitely a card that I'm, I think is really, really neat, especially in this deck, but I think it's just good for legacy in general, I think it's good to have uh, more interaction for the graveyard decks, even though it has not allowed me to play my Hogak deck in a very long time, but I, I will manage, so... Um, yeah, Endurance is definitely a card that makes this deck really powerful, I think, in this format. I mean, also, just having the combination of Silver and Library and a like, that's just, like, so many cards. So, um, this deck is definitely super powerful as well. Um, and, and that had a 48 win perc- uh, 48% win percentage, which I'm not sure why. Like, that's, it's one of the decks on paper that looks like one of the most powerful things you can be doing. And the fact that it didn't do well gives me pause. Um. Uh, the fifth most popular deck, though, was Death and Taxes, which obviously ended up winning the event and having a win percentage of uh, 60, almost 62%, which is like actually bananas. So, looking at the win percentages, uh, Death and Taxes was the uh, top deck, followed by Green White Depth, which I'm not sure about. <laughs> like, I'm not super confident in that number, just because it's only three people. Like, I, when it's the least, I mean, out of the decks listed here, it's the, least popular deck and I'm sure there's obviously some other decks probably below it, right, but like, those three people doing well with that deck does not make you feel super confident about the deck not yet at least, there's some other stuff that does make you feel a little bit a little bit worse about it. Um, I know Mapson probably is disappointed by that, but he's not here so I get to say that Um, looking at uh, past that you do see um, Elves, you see Lands, um, and then blue red delver 55%, so pretty good win percentages out of those. Obviously, I think being able to win 61% off 11 players, I think is insane for death and taxes. Uh, 55% off of 43, I think is also insane. Um, they were talking before about the win percentage of delver, especially you know in these higher events, um, and it was a, I think they were saying it's like 55 or 56%, and that's still kind of where we're at. Which also kind of begs the question like how much actually changed here because I feel like this is the same thing we just saw a second ago. Like, Delver is just a very powerful deck. Taking away Ragavan, which didn't really mesh with the strategy anyways, doesn't really hurt the deck. It just makes it a little less dynamic, which I, I think is fine. So, decks that did really, really poorly. Uh, Doomsday, which is, like, surprising. Uh, Doomsday was, like, my kind of pick to do really, really well. Just because I thought that... Delver being weakened, uh, by removing Ragavan specifically, like, it, it, once again, the, in the, uh, Eternal Weekend win, right, the games I actually played versus Doomsday, I just cast Turn 1 Ragavan and attacked, and then I drew their discard spells, or I drew their combo pieces, and I killed them, like, that's just all that happened, so, I, when we're talking about decks that are gonna do well, like, I kind of would assume that, like, getting rid of Ragavan just relieves a lot of pressure off of Doomsday, and the deck would be able to do a lot better. I think a lot of people just came prepared to not lose to Doomsday, though. Like, I think people kind of expected that that was a deck that they need to be worried about, and had the Flusterstorms, and had the uh, Torpor Orbs and things like that, so they would not lose to Doomsday, and I think that negatively affects the numbers. Uh, I do think in the future we're going to see those numbers rise, but in the meantime. um, The other one I... Was kind of shocked by it was Yorian Zenith, like the blue Zenith deck we've been seeing, Um that just got like rolled. And I thought that had a good Delver matchup, and I mean it does, which is also a thing we'll talk about in a second. But uh, overall, just not seem to get super well positioned in this format. If that's what's going to happen, um, even if twenty percent of your matches is Delver and that's a good matchup, like you you can't really afford to have a twenty five percent win percentage. It's kind of unacceptable. So um, the thing I want to point out, and this is kind of in small print here, I'm going gonna, gonna to try to blow this up so we can see this a little better. I don't know, I'm sure if this is how the internet works, unfortunately. So maybe I can't do this. No, I can't do this. So, oh, I can. Um, there we go. There's the business. Oh, nope, we lost it. We had it. We lost it. Let's go I lost it. That's fine. So um, the one thing I do want to point out, I think that's important, is that when we're talking about... Did that actually work? Did it? I don't know. This is like... Enhance. Enhance. Okay, it's slightly better. I don't know. People at home, you guys can you guys can just hear this perfectly fine, so it doesn't really matter. Um, they... Uh, Asmandias also went and broke down the win percentage against Delver, which I think is an interesting statistic. Um... And obviously, it's important data. Like, it's something I do want to see, but it also kind of puts you in a position where you feel like you should be able to, like, if the numbers don't change or you're not happy with them, um, it makes you feel a little bit angry about the numbers, which I don't. I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, looking at the win percentage against Delver, um, Delver Taxes, in my mind should be doing should have done really well. It Only won a third of its matches. I don't know how many, once again, I don't know how big the sample size is here. I don't know how many matches that is. It could be, it could be three matches. It could be, uh, you know, 15. I have no idea. But 33% is not particularly great. Also, the fact that it is 33% makes me feel like it probably is like one out of three matches or two out of six matches, something like that. Um, because once again, the chisel, the longer, the further you go up the chain, what more the odds that it's exactly one third. I uh, could be wrong, though. Um... Greenlight Depths also did horribly, twenty-two uh, percent versus Blue Red Delver. That's also just not great. Um, which is interesting too, just because like if you're looking at the decks, Blue Red Delver is the most popular deck. You figure that it would just be chewing up on Delver the whole day, but like that that was not the case. That like, was <laughs> that was the deck I was trying to dodge all day. So that's not great. Um, and I think historically it's or more more recently it's been better. Um, it could be an with the pilots, who knows, uh, but it also could be just the fact that when you start looking at threats coming out of the Delver deck, once they start getting diversified, it kind of does affect you. Um, once again, Ragman wasn't an issue, right, because you could hit Greenlight Depths, and you could hit a Dark Depths, But she can't cast, so that's great. Or you can hit a, you know, maybe a Knight of the Reliquary, which is a great creature, it's, if, and if you get it in a play, that's fine, too, but, like, it's doesn't come to play that often. The activations aren't really insane. Like, you really want to be hitting versus blue decks. And the fact of the green-white deck, Ragavan was not really great there. Uh, I definitely have cast my Fair Claim of Elvish Reclaimers, though, just to have a 3-4 beat down. But um, that's not really the cards you're going for. So by removing this card that doesn't really affect your matchup, I think that does hurt the green-white depth matchup. Just because you are putting in cards like... Uh, you know, Young pyramids is not the greatest, right? But something like Brazen Borrower, that's maps in Spain, um, in the, just being able to Petty Theft and be able to block later on Dark depth is not great. Um, also, even putting something like Trina Nemesis in the deck, I think is really good. Um, I have seen people also playing Dead Gone as a flex spot instead of something like Gutshot, which doesn't do really much. Um, Gutshot can obviously tag something like a Sylvan Safekeeper um, in the deck, but like, A Dead Gone is just, like, insane, and Gutshot is, uh, <laughs> was something that um, the Greenlight Depth was very happy to um, see the opponent have. Um, the decks that did do well, though, um, just got control, right? The Hull Breacher, Wheel Deck, which kind of makes sense, right? Like, playing main deck Hull Breacher in Narset, I think, puts you in a good spot. Post-board might be a little harder, but if you can win game one pretty reliably, I think you can probably grind out those matches. Um, so, that's what we end up seeing in um, a decent amount, um, the other ones, too, Doomsday actually had a really good win percentage, but I feel like that could not have been a huge sample size, maybe it was, um, since it's 80%, so maybe it's, you know, 4 out of 1, or 8 out of 2, um, but that's kind of surprising, uh, the Blue Zenith deck, at uh, 85%, and that's the thing that, about the deck that's kind of brutal, like, the win percentage was 25% overall, but it was 85% against Delver, so, like, whole of the deck figures out what well, <laughs> what it needs to fix, because, like, if you're going to beat Delver 85% of the time, I'm very interested in, the, in playing that deck. But, yeah, we haven't seen any, you know, any idea yet. So, uh lands did well versus Delver, 66%. That's not surprising, though. Like, historically, that deck is uh, kind of a beatdown. Um, when you start looking at replacements, once again, I think if you start adding more 1-1 Del- uh, Delvers and 3-2 Insectile Aberrations to the deck, that does not help your chances. Um, so, I think that's a can be a concern. Um, Jeskai Delver, I think the point of playing Jeskai Delver, and we saw this before with uh, was starting to do this uh, a couple of months ago, but like just playing more removal spells that get rid of Merc Tide in the matchup, I think is just correct. Um, and by playing Swords of the Pile Share, you just have that in spades. Yeah, uh, If you really want to, you can sideboard the Path to Exile, too, and you have more ways to get rid of a out region. Um, so I think that's uh, a huge... I don't want to say game-changer, right? But like, if you are trying to specifically attack that deck, that might be something you want to do. Um, Just Guy Delver overall didn't have a great win percentage, though, either. Right? It's 41%. So even if you are winning you know, 83% of your matches is that really good enough if you're only winning forty or 83% of your matches versus Delver or Blue-Red-Delver? Like, I don't know if that's interesting if I'm only going to win 41% of my matches overall. So, um, yeah. That's, that's basically all that for that data. Um, Blue-Red-Delver was just the best-performing deck, though, and I think that's, I don't think that's surprising to really anybody. Um, but the deck's not going anywhere. Like, y- you really have to be aware of that. Oh my gosh, it's so blown up. I need to back up here. Uh, you need to be prepared for that deck. It, it has not gone away. It's not gone anywhere. Um, and I think when you start looking at other decks in the format, like, there's really nowhere else to go. Right? Like, the they did a good job, and I think, once again, I think Ragavan might have been a little bit too far of a push. I get that. But the deck was not good because of Ragavan only. Right? That was just the card that was the most unfair, the most uh arguably the most pushed. But it was definitely a card that people needed to uh respect. And now that it's gone, I think people just don't know what to do. Because having knowing that your opponent's gonna be playing this two on Ragavan informs a lot of your decisions. I need to have a turn one removal spell. Well if I don't have Ragavan, like I have a Dragon rage Channeler or a Delver Secrets instead well, I don't mind having a turn one removal spell. So if your opponent's always going to mulligan with that, that kind of mantra in mind, I don't know what you're playing, but I can't lose to on turn one. I need a turn one removal spell. I can't keep, um, you know, turn two, Silver Library, path. It's not good enough. And they mulligan to something a little more aggressively. That negatively hurts you. Now that it's gone, I think people don't understand the mulliganing heuristics and, you know, what they need to be doing in those early turns, and that's gonna punish them, I think, for in the short term. Uh once again, some of these decks that are uh, a little bit more I'm trying to think of the right word, um in a better position to actually deal with those early threats, um, are gonna be just better off. Um and we do see that with the, the Just guy deck that has a lot of those removal spells early, um, that they're not gonna die, right? They they already have uh, the prismatic endings, the swords to plowshares, like they're prepared for the turn one creatures. Um, they have the counter magic to stop anything kind of nonsensical. Uh, even something like Reanimator doesn't have the removal spells, but has enough, um, discard and things like that where like you're not going to get just got by uh, Reanimator or you know, as a Reanimator player, you're not going to get got very often. So, okay, so, um yeah, that's basically it for that. Uh, we do have some people in chat, so once again, if you guys have any questions, any comments for this live episode of the Dark Dev Podcast, please let me know, and I can answer them on the air. Yeah. Once again, overall, I'm pretty happy with this um, legacy format, though. I just I think they've really done a good job, and I know they were saying that they're we they're open to more bands if they, if need be, but I'm hoping they don't. <laughs> Um, just because I think that the format itself was not fun, and I think for right now it's at least people are interested in what's going on. Um, it doesn't have to be super insane, right, but I think people having a format that is at least entertaining to them I think is is meaningful. Um, the other event I want to talk about a little bit was the uh, Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy um, that was in Columbus, Ohio. At comic town by the way i like so want to go <laughs> to comic town um yeah well, a podcast i used to listen to all the time i love that podcast um they were all from comic town so they would come and i would see them in segs and gps and things like that which is super cool um i got to i got to play uh love letter with them which is a super fun game i actually bought love letter so i could play with them next time i saw them but i haven't seen them in years at this point uh but the Buffalo Chicken Dip Legacy event happened last week, and it had 64 players, which was their cap, and they had a waiting list, which I think is really cool. Um, they actually posted all 64 of the decks. Um, and there's just a lot of, like, really like, cool people who showed up here, like just going, kind of going through. Um, Roland Chang, I'm looking at, I saw Ryan Hayes, Brian Koval, um joe dyer right so a lot of really cool people playing a lot of really cool decks um very upsetting i couldn't go um i so if you are from the buffalo chicken dip legacy community if you have one in the summer i will 100 percent go i just i just had a baby now once again not me personally but my wife so i cannot go right now it seems that is that is not a good idea for me so uh but if you have one during the summer i will i will make an effort i will be there um, but now is just, unfortunately, not a good time. Um, but it seems like a good community, too, and I think having these l- local events that are large and enticing, um, they, I think, first place got a, I want to say guy's Cradle? Um, I think it was guy's Cradle, and I want to say it was, like, a, a Badlands, or Savannah's, I think, to the top, um, second and third, fourth. So, ended up getting some really cool, um, prizes and also it's like 100% uh, proxy friendly, right? Which I think is also really cool. So not only do you allow people who don't normally play the format to actually get in and get a chance to play and also win some power or not some power, but some um, reserve list cards if they do really well, but you also get people who are local who just want to play Magic and maybe might have sold a collection over the pandemic, which I think is, you know, something we haven't really talked about too much. But people who haven't really played lately into your store again playing magic and having fun with friends i think if that's not the point of magic then. i don't know what it is so um overall i think it's a really cool event uh one by gruel painter painter it is mostly red <laughs> i think whenever you talk about painter like you kind of being disingenuous if you say it's not just red i mean we've seen like blue black painter before and stuff like that but it's normally just a red deck um and you see goblin welder goblin engineer um cards I thought were really cool with Magmatic Channeler, uh, which if you have seen this card it's really neat. It's essentially a 1-3 that if you have 4 more instants of sorceries in your graveyard, it, become, gets, it becomes a 4-4, four four. Um, but it allows you to discard cards and then you get to look at the top cards of your library to um, cast one of them. Exile one of them and cast it. Um, it is actually play it too so you can actually get lands so done that limited, which is uh, super sweet. Um, it has the one Sundering Titan, so you can start looping it with your Goblin Welder, which is brutal when that happens. Uh, but, like, really nice when you talk about, like, these um, three-color and four-color decks. Right? Being able to Thundering Titan and just, like, hit, like, a... Um, a Tundra, a Volk, a um, Savannah, like, and then also like a basic... Like, it's insane. So oh, that's really good. Um, the reason it's listed as scroll Painter is because it's playing for once upon a time in the main deck, which... I, I feel like I'm missing something with that card. Like it's very good. Don't get me wrong. Like it hits a creature land, so it hits all those creatures. Like Goblin Welder in turn one I think is, is great. Um you can hit Painter Servant, which is awesome. Um it it doesn't hit Grindstone. Um, which is not a not a huge deal, but it does hit your soul land, like you can hit uh, Ancient Tomb, you can hit City of traitor so i assume that's what you want it for also it's ursa saga which i think is cool early um like i played that red black deck before and being able to go turn one saga turn two ancient tomb activate and make a construct on turn turn two i think is a really powerful play and that's that's something that deck actually opens up and once upon a time allows you to do that a little bit more reliably so maybe that is something that you want to consider um and also the other thing about what that line in particular with this deck, the being able to go turn one saga, turn two ancient tomb, is that you can just, like, wait to cast your once upon a time until you get something that you really want. So, um, or you can f- use it to find one of those cards. So, uh, really interesting overall. We'll see how this deck ends up doing. This definitely seems like something Napsul would play, so I'm sure he will jump on this at some point. Um, the green and the cyborg ends up just giving you carpet flowers, which I think is a good addition as well. Uh, just being having having more mana versus those blue decks I think is pretty nice um, especially when it if you can just slam a blood moon post board um, not actually blood moon but magus of the moon rather um, I think that's also another uh, pretty big thing uh, for you to be able to do um, I do like the pyrokinesis uh, we were talking before about this like you know why would you just not play fury fury so much better if you, which I think fury overall is better but you got to kind of think of the context. Like, I'm not really playing Pyrokinesis as a way to control the board. I'm playing it as a way not to die. Um, and I think Pyrokinesis being an instant is really, really good versus elves. Like, specifically elves. I think that's really way, where you want it. Um, death and death 2 is also very good. Like, I don't want to um, discount that. But I think you not dying to elves on their combo turn, um, Pyrokinesis is definitely just better. Um, you can definitely as an elf player navigate around a fury a little bit easier, even if it is still kind of backbreaking. So there's that, um, a couple other really cool decks. Uh, we did see a copy of, I don't know why I blew this up in this different window. Um, (laughs) I did, we did see a copy, uh, food chain, which another maps in classic in my mind, at least, um, Food chain is just one of those decks, too. Like, I, I haven't seen it personally in a while, but I think the deck is really, really neat. It has really intri- intricate lines, uh, rewards you for knowledge of the format. We ended up seeing uh, Carl Schultz, uh, who I think actually followed me on Twitter recently, um, use this deck and ended up making top four, which is insane. Um, this deck, I think, is actually really cool, too, because you get to do a lot, a lot of stupid stuff with... Uh, like, a lot of, like, large mana combos. I'm uh, talking about just, obviously, the Food Chain, that's Griffin, or Eternal Scourge. Um, casting it, exiling it, making infinite creature mana, and then casting a giant walking ballista. Like, that is very much up my alley. I love me a giant walking ballista. Um, but also, you know, you're playing uh, the Ranger Captain of Eos, which I think is actually really cool, just as a way to find your walking ballista um, early. or sorry, late. Um, I think that's really neat. Um, I do like Uro in this deck as well. So I think that's really neat. And I, I still think the manipulate fate thing is so cute. Just be like, yeah, I'm going to find three Miss Griffins, and they're all exiled. Like that's also really cool. So that deck did pretty well. Uh, there was another one I want to talk about. Um. In second place, it was a green-white Depths. There we go. Uh, this is another one I think that, that was did pretty well. Um, just seeing someone do well with depth, I think good. Um, this is, like, fairly stocked from what I'm, I'm seeing, too. Like, you're playing the one Dryad Arbor, you have, like, the Sylvan keeper I think the one Endurance in the deck is really nice. The same thing with the Night of Autumn. Um, I just think there's enough people playing stuff that needs to be blown up with night of autumn that the it's just a worthy inclusion you know whether they're playing their own sylvan library whether they're playing uh earth's saga um whether they're playing that kind of oddball um carpet flowers you know in their in their main deck like having access to a night of autumn is i think just good i mean obviously this deck doesn't really care about carpet flowers but Still, just a good card. I think in this, in this meta game, there's a lot of artifacts and instants, uh, artifacts and enchantments running around. Um, but you are actually playing in this version, um, playing Eartha Saga, right? So that actually allows you to find uh, Shadow Spear uh, yourself, find Pithy Needle, which I think actually does really double duty. Um, the earth Saga obviously does create a secondary threat. You are playing Ramming Up Excavator, so you can actually just return it and just keep cycling it and. Hopefully, kill your opponent with Earth's Saga's constructs. Um, but I also think just having uh, access to Pissing Needle, so you can just find a uh, just find a way to protect um, your lands from wasteland. I think is also really really good, uh, especially when you're just you know doing that in the main deck. I think it's a really really smart way of protecting your uh, your cards. Um, I'm always amazed when I look at. This deck too, and you're like, like, oh yeah, this deck is four mythics, fifty rares. I'm like, how oh, are fifty rares in this? Like, I back in my day, there were there were uncommons in decks. Like, there's still eleven in commons, but wild. Um, but yeah, I think Greenway Depths is another deck, pretty good. The other one too, I thought was just really neat was the Sneak and Show list. Just I feel like I haven't seen Sneak and Show nearly as much as I would have hoped. Um, neat deck. Just has not popped up. So, looking at that list, pretty standard. Nothing's really changed. I think that's part of the issue too. Like, Sneaking Show in my mind is in the same boat as Reanimator, where it's doing a lot of things by putting a, a giant creature into play and like you know Crystal Brand, Emrakul, whatever the great, but like, it just. I I feel like you can win a lot more games just by killing your opponent, and I this deck obviously. Does do it, but just not like with the brutal efficiency that Reanimator does, right? Reanimator could put a Gristle Brand into play on turn one and make you essentially discard your hand. Huge. Um, this is uh, being able to put an Omniscience into play on turn one, right? It's a possibility for sure, right? Lotus Petal, uh, Soul Land, sneak, uh, Show and Tell, Omniscience, Cast, Gristle Brand, Draw 7 cards, Ember cool here's 22, let's go. Um but like it also just doesn't happen I feel like with the efficiency that it that it used to. so um definitely an interesting deck. I the one thing I do like about it though is it does have a good sideboard, especially for a dozen taxes. Um, obviously it's one of historically one of its more difficult matchups um, so you end up seeing cosmic return you end up seeing torpor orbs you end up seeing pyroclasms, you end up seeing a uh, you got a lot of stuff there for that matchup in particular. okay. Cool. Um, Once again, just me today. So uh, Michael is MIA. So I'm going to wrap up with the DuckDuck podcast here. Um, If you are interested in finding us or listening to us at all, uh, please, please uh, listen to us um, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're basically everywhere. We are everywhere. Uh, But uh, we do a... A lot of things um, on Twitter, things like that. If you want to find us on Twitter, uh, we do have us at depth underscore podcast. Um, so you can find our link tree there. So you can support us in any way you want to. Honestly, just telling your friends and listening to our show is it's huge. And does a great job for us. Um, oh, Magic with ZB, I definitely missed you. Um, thanks for uh, following the, the stream. And that's another thing, too. If you are listening right now and you... Enjoy what we're talking about. If you think you actually really do like modern and legacy, or you just like my beautiful voice, um, you can actually just follow us on um, Twitch. Um, that way, whenever we go live, you can know, um, which is also helpful. Um, once again, following us on Twitter does a really good job. Uh, me, myself, I'm Bad Luck Bandit. Uh, Michael Mapson is Expedition Map. So uh, both of us do a lot of. Modern and Legacy, and I'm going actually going to play Pioneer in, like, five minutes. Um, So if you want to watch me play Pioneer, you're more than welcome to stay tuned for that. Um, But yeah, that's basically it. Um, And once again, thank you for hanging out. So uh, for people who are listening to this on their podcast, uh, I guess I'll see you next week. All right, bye.